So it is one of the greatest myths in our society that weight loss will equal better health. And that's simply not true. That individuals can uh, engage in health-promoting behaviors and have better energy or performance or better A1C or blood pressure without any change in weight at all. Welcome to Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. With a new year comes the tradition for many of us to set a resolution. Some aspire to learn a new skill, and others resolve to focus on their body, mind, or both. According to a 2017 Statista poll, 45% of Americans made the resolution to lose weight or get in shape. So this week, we decided to ask Rachel Manor, the director of Olympic sports nutrition in UNC Athletics, about her approach to educating student athletes about their relationship with food. What's the first thing that many who are looking to lose weight this year will do? Likely, it's head straight to the internet and search diets. From there, dozens of different suggestions will pop up, most of them contradictory. Eat no carbs. Eat only carbs. Eat 20% protein. Eat 80% protein. With the influence of social media and the ease with which we can attain information, it's unsurprising that this can be an overwhelming process. No matter what carb-to-protein ratio, it's likely the recommendation will be some sort of restricted eating, which Rachel advises against. I tend to steer people away from diets. Research has shown that not only do diets not work, but restrictive eating is actually harmful in, in the college population for individuals of all sizes. Um, some research shows that 60 to 80 percent of college women have dieted within the past year, and we know that dieting is a major risk factor for the development of disordered eating and eating disorders. Gwyneth Paltrow is the queen of cleanses, and the Kardashians, they can't stop talking about keto. Social sensation, media. The baby food diet. Some versions recommend eating 14 jars of baby food a day. A trendy new weight loss method has been getting a lot of buzz lately, and it is called intermittent fasting. First, a flat belly hack starts with breakfast, and he wants you to squash your hunger with this. This is what Rachel calls diet culture and something that she teaches Carolina students about through individual nutrition counseling. College students tend to have minimal nutrition knowledge, and then also there's so many contradictory, uh, conflicting nutrition messages out in our media. So trying to learn to navigate through diet culture has its challenges. So I think learning that skill to identify diet culture is really important. Um, once I teach a student about diet culture and kind of what the characteristics of it are, their diet culture radar goes up and they see it everywhere. So if we can identify diet culture for what it is and then try to create space away from it uh, to allow for more body attunement and learning what self-care practices work best for us. Our weight is predetermined by our genetics. And so if we can trust our bodies, uh, listen to our, our body's internal wisdom, our body's weight will find where it needs to go. This self-awareness that Rachel is talking about is called intuitive eating which Rachel recommends to Carolina students, as well as anyone looking to build healthy habits. Intuitive eating is this dynamic process that integrates attunement of the mind, body, and food. 
And really, we were all, the vast majority of us were born intuitive eaters. But then sometimes as we grow up, um, environmental factors can disconnect us. For example, you know, the time constraints, our financial situation, the stress and anxiety that comes with being in college, you know, messages that we get from social media, the cultural thin ideal. There are so many things that come into our world that can disconnect us from our bodies and um, take us away from that inner intuitive eater voice that we all have inside. So it's my job to try to help people reconnect with their bodies internal wisdom and learn to honor hunger, respectfulness, find satisfaction with food. Um, but I do understand that has its challenges as, as college students, you know, meal planning, managing a budget, grocery shopping, cooking, um, all present challenges. So I like to help student athletes develop those life skills as well. Another one of those challenges is the labels that we've given to the foods that we eat, that good or bad label. Learning not to rely so heavily on the way we look at food when we think about what we're going to eat is particularly challenging. If we've grown up in a household or with a coach or at a school that has taught us to categorize foods as good or bad um, can lead to some overeating. If we deem a food to be bad, we're more likely to overeat it. So I do a lot of work with students to help them neutralize foods that All food serves a function and a purpose, and if we truly give ourselves unconditional permission to eat all foods, you know, we find that we have a more peaceful relationship with our food and our body. Wait, wait, wait. Unconditional permission to eat all foods? This does not sound like a method of weight loss. But who am I to complain if a certified sports dietitian says I can have as many cookies as I want, right? That is one of the common misconceptions of intuitive eating is that, oh, well, since Rachel recommends intuitive eating, I can just eat 100 cookies. Um, That's not necessarily what I'm recommending. I'm recommending people um, tune into their bodies. If you're truly listening to your body and you're learning from previous lived experiences and you'll find that maybe eating 100 cookies won't be the most comfortable situation. But if you're Eating one cookie, enjoying it, if it's really delicious, giving yourself permission to have that second one, and then you might find that you're satisfied after that. But um, also trying to reduce shame around food is um, something I'm really passionate about. At Carolina, Rachel is working to combat diet culture and help students move away from categorizing foods as only good or bad. And while, yes, it still isn't the best idea to eat 100 cookies in one sitting, the method Rachel teaches allows her students to focus on building healthy habits and trust that their body's weight will fall into a healthy range. So I promote this weight neutral approach to health, um, just trying to help student athletes take the focus off of weight and try to focus on health promoting behaviors. You know, since weight is not a behavior, so it's not really an appropriate target for behavior modification. So instead of a goal to, for example, lose five pounds, we try to set goals that are actually helpful. So for example, trying a new recipe each month, maybe trying to make a grocery list before we go to the grocery store, maybe prepping vegetables when we get home uh, so that we're more likely to cook or eat them instead of letting them spoil. So just trying to help them set goals that are um, beneficial to their health as opposed to weight-related goals. Becoming in tune with your body is something that takes practice, and Rachel recommends an easy tool to get started. 
The hunger scale is a really excellent tool. It's a scale of one to 10, one being grouchy, ravenous, low in energy, two being preoccupied with your hunger, three is where you've got this like physiological urge to eat, and five is neutral, six is you need a few more bites, seven is like that sweet spot where you're feeling satisfied, content, you know that that food's gonna hold you over through classes or through practice, and then eight is where you might have eaten a few bites too many because you ate too quickly or the food is really tasty or for whatever reason, um, some folks might overeat once in a while. And then uh, nines and tens on the hunger scale are, you know, that Thanksgiving bowl or um, just feeling, feeling overly stuffed. So just teaching these students this language um, just to help them tune into their bodies and trying to encourage them to check into their bodies before they eat and trying to gauge like where am I at on the hunger scale right now um, and then when you can identify where you're at you're able to choose what foods feel best to you the amounts that feel best to you and then move on with your day. Aside from checking in with our bodies and using the hunger scale before we start eating Rachel also offered some other ways to build healthy habits going into the new year. I definitely try to give our student athletes some nutrition guidelines, but I also like to refer to it as gentle nutrition, like they do in the intuitive eating text. Um, but giving them the general guidelines of meal building, so I try to recommend students build meals that incorporate fruits and vegetables and a carbohydrate and a protein and a fat. So for example, that could be banana, oatmeal, peanut butter, and milk. A uh, very simple meal that kind of hits all those macronutrients. Uh, so if we can try to build at least three meals per day that fit that guideline would be really helpful. Um, and then incorporating snacks when need be. For example, when we drop into that three, maybe between lunch and dinner, it'd be a good time to have a snack. And so I try to encourage folks to think about snacks that incorporate carbs and proteins to help have stable energy. So that could be something like an apple and string cheese or a Cliff Bar or something like that. Intuitive eating is definitely a dynamic process. It's, it takes intentionality. It takes being aware of our thoughts. I often am recommending food and feelings logs. Um, sometimes athletes are used to writing down their food and sharing it with a dietitian, um, but I'm more interested in their thoughts and feelings behind the, the food that they're eating. So kind of increasing that awareness to writing down what we're eating, how it makes us feel, and, and learning from that experience. So instead of setting a New Year's resolution to lose five pounds, perhaps we could set a goal to try a new recipe each month. Maybe we could set a goal to drink at least one liter of water before we leave work. Um, maybe we could start a gratitude journal. Maybe we could try to do yoga once a week. There are so many different health-promoting behaviors that we can engage in that has absolutely nothing to do with weight. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Well Said, the official storytelling podcast from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. If you're interested in other nutrition resources at Carolina, visit campushealth.unc.edu. Do you have an idea for an upcoming episode of Well Said? Send us a tweet at UNC, or you can shoot us an email at wellsaid at unc.edu. And if your New Year's resolution was to listen to more podcasts, you can find Well Said wherever you listen. So we hope you'll subscribe and leave us a review. See you next week.